Digging into the topics of leadership, service, community, and faith. It's more than being a leader, but putting action to your words. This is Service Abode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have retired Sergeant Michael Carson with us. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me on. For our listeners, some things that Michael would never tell you about, but just being a good friend of his, I happen to know is that he served for about 19 and a half years in mm-hmm. the U.S. Army, That's has uh, six commendation medals, four achievement medals, one meritorious service medal, spent some time in Kosovo and also in Iraq, and did some really cool stuff in his MOSs. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, sir. Starting off with MOS, that's a job in the military for those who don't know that, but my jobs consisted of 74 Delta, 11 Bravo, and a 14 Sierra. And so to go into those, 11 Bravo is an infantryman, 74 Delta is chemical, which is biological, radiological, nuclear, and air defense is surface-to-air missiles. Came out of your service with the military, currently serving as the National Outreach Director for the Freedom Fighter Foundation. That's right. So tell us, what does the Freedom Fighter Foundation do? Oh, man. Biggest thing is, is, you know, many people out there know that there is, there's a lot going on with our veterans out there that is not good. Um, They return home with invisible wounds. Many people know about the suicide rate. If you don't know, now you know. It's upwards of above 22 a day now, actually. Our foundation saw that there was a need, and so we were coming in to fill a gap. There's a lot of organizations out there that are doing so many great things, and we saw that the biggest need was is there was a lack of holistic approach for the entire family unit. So we came in and, and built a foundation. It's a family of uh, believers that our mission is to help veterans, first responders, and their families overcome the battle within to break cycles of dysfunction and create a generational legacy. Really, our biggest goal for the Freedom Fighter Foundation is to restore integrity to the family unit and in turn, strengthen community by creating an impactful generational legacy that will affect not only generations, but nations. And that's what we do. At the heart and core of what we do is discipleship. It's one-on-one, walking a person from start to finish of, hey, you experienced a lot of trauma in your life, whether it be before war, you know, during war, after war, that family unit has to come alongside that that veteran or first responder as well because you see line of duty stress and trauma inside of first responders, whether it be firefighters, EMTs, 911 dispatch. At the heart of what we do is discipleship. We walk them through that process, but we also come alongside their family member, their spouse in particular, and even their children. So we have different ministries that we partner with. Some of those include Mountain Gateway. We have Her Voice. That's conferences and stuff that we do with just women, just men, wilderness intensives, leadership intensives, marriage tune-ups, a whole bunch of intensives, <laughs> it seems like. But really what we do is we partner with those other organizations. They, they have different subject matter experts in those fields. When they finish with their three-day retreat or 10-day retreat or whatever that is, they tie right back into us and they, they build off of what they've learned. So all these organizations that are doing such great things, we try to team up with them. And what they've built upon, we'll take that and continue to grow in it but we take the whole family unit with it because it's very much lacking. So if somebody wants to reach out to you. Yes, sir. It's freedomfighterfoundation.org. So you grew up. (laughs) Well, I grew up on a farm and ranch in Bovina, Texas. And so my dad and grandfather had 
combined about 8,000 acres. Uh, we had about 400 head of Charlie bred cows. We had 30, 40 head of horses, three combines, two tractors and grain carts and trucks. And so really my life started there at a very young age, you know, nine years old, I was driving tractors. And I remember one time, I think I got pulled over for driving a semi truck at like the age of 13. And course everybody knew the officer in town and so he was like Mr. Carson you know your son can't be driving a semi truck he's 13 you know and so he, of course my dad put me back in the pickup and had me drive back to the field and get back on the combine so but really the that's kind of where my leadership skills started too is just working in the field my dad would bring in college kids a lot of times out of school or high school kids I was leading combine crews by the time I was 13 by the time I was 15 16 years old I was running you know cowboy crews and harvest crews and so really my leadership skills de- developed there of what it is to really lead people. Tell me a lot of good morals, values, and growing up in that environment, you learn really a, a very strong work ethic. How did your time in the military add on to that experience that you learned on the farm? It did two things. Things that I had learned, I had to unlearn about civilian life, and then I had to relearn what it was in the military life. There's a big transition in that, and one of those is we go off of what we call our army values. And our army values spell out leadership. Now, it doesn't fully spell out leadership, but it's an acronym that we learned. In that, the leadership acronym, those values are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. It added on to a lot of the work ethic. Those kind of things went very, very well into the military. You know, all of that kind of stuff flowed in. There were some things that had to get broke down, though, and that was what I mean by breakdown is, is not like breaking me off, nothing like that, but really honed in on this leadership acronym of breaking each one of those down. No one ever told me really that one outweighed another. No one had ever mentioned any of that. They were on an even playing field, but all made up the whole of what it was to be in the military, what it was to be in the Army. How I became a leader, you know, you don't start off immediately as a leader in the in the army same as you don't law enforcement or anywhere else that you go you kind of you know start at the bottom and so you know pv1 private carson coming in these are the things that he gets taught in basic training and things that i carried on with me and it would build upon and i I maintain the strong work ethic for sure big deal in that is once you go from the basic training level up to once you reach a non-commissioned officer which is an e5 in the army you go to a new school. And so a new school, the new school that were, when I was in, what it was called was PLDC, which is Primary Leadership Development Course, now called WLC, I think, unless they've changed it again. In those, that's where you build upon these same leadership values that they really instill into you in the Army. As you continue to grow, you get into advanced leadership courses, and so that just it really bases it off of that, really. So you leave the classroom, you leave the training, you get mm-hmm. out into the, the field. Come on. Or the real world, yeah. as uh, we would say, you know, yes. in the first responder uh, arena. But <laughs> So did you find that this was a good foundation for you? Absolutely. I absolutely found that it was great. First starting off, I served several different areas as, a, as an instructor. As I moved up in rank, building on that and that leadership, people saw the value in me as a leader. And so I moved up pretty quickly in rank, became an instructor, and was using these things day in and day out. You know, you think about things like selfless service. I mean, that's... That's what it is to be in the military, in, the, you know, any guy that I run into, you know, they're like, hey, how you know that guy? And it's like, oh, man, I served with him. You know, it's all about service and selfless service for others. It's putting your life on the line for other people. Y'all find that in law enforcement and fire. And I mean, just 
any first responder field of that selfless service. And so being that kind of leader and putting those things into practice was extremely important. Showing honor, having integrity, personal courage. I mean, it takes a lot of those things. So the leadership part of that, showing respect to your lower subordinates, your superior, the duty that, that you carry out and the loyalty that you have with those people. And you develop this friendship, you develop this camaraderie is what we call it. And it's really this loyalty that you build within your team, within your squad, within your platoon of, you know, a lot of the, I, de- I deployed with, you know, some of the 82nd Airborne guys. I mean, tight-knit group. I mean, and they'll fight again. <laughs> like, they're, they're so loyal with each other that they'll, like, harp on other Airborne units, you know, like, you know, 101st, you know, they'll, they'll get, 82nd will start harping on 101st, and 101st will start harping on 82nd. It's just this loyalty that gets built. So in that, you have to have all of them. And that's what was told to me over and over again. And this really did help me through my military career in every area except for one. Heard him say I was in Kosovo, and, and that's true. It was during a peacekeeping mission, or supposed to be. And I had already been in Iraq. I came, back, came out of that, and I was serving with a group of guys from a combat arms training company. And we ended up getting in one of the worst firefights that I've ever been in. I watched one of my best friends dang near get beat to death. I was blown up, captured. It, it was awful, awful time. There were some people that got hurt during that mission. And I was rescued and brought back. As I went through that, that process, though, one of the things that, that remained kind of in my heart was just how loyal those guys were to me. They stuck by these values. They came and they got me. They didn't just leave me there. They were accomplishing the mission, which is duty. You know, they did, they did everything that they were, they were supposed to do, and we did everything that we, we could do. And we did it the right way. There was a big issue, though, and two weeks after we had we'd gotten back, they medevaced a couple of us out, and we got back, and we're in the recovery kind of phase of, of things, and one of my really good friends I knew prior to, and so I'll back up to this, is I saw him, and he had, he had been selling steroids to the infantry, and so we had a bunch of infantry guys out there, and they was all getting bulked up and getting big, and so I saw him, and when I saw him doing it, I saw it and acknowledged it, and then I was like, hmm. Not really that big a deal to me. As long as it ain't hurting nobody, I'm okay. I didn't really think much of it. Looking back on it now, obviously I know it's wrong, but I saw that happen. Well, the same the same guy that was selling these steroids ended up being the guy that dang near got beat to death. Fulbright Colonel calls me in the office and he was like, "Hey, Sergeant Carson, we've got a got a bit of an issue. We know that there's somebody who's been selling steroids. We have been informed that you know who it is." And I was like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> And he was like, Sergeant Carson, you've always been known for your integrity. You need to let us know who this is. I sat and, and I thought about it, and I was like, sir, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with it. He was like, no, you're going to give them up, or you're, you're going to get in some trouble. He was like, Sergeant Carson, you've, known, you've been known for your integrity. You're out into your entire career. And I was like, well, sir, you're talking about the Army values, right? And he said, yeah, you're dang right I am. And I was like, okay, well, loyalty is an Army value too, sir. So what makes loyalty any any more or any less than integrity. Like, wh- which one outweighs which? Because no one's ever told me that. You know, he acknowledged, he was like, I, I see that you're in a hard spot here, but that's a gut decision that you're going to have to make. I mean, he got completely medevaced out all the way to Germany. He sent back home. I mean, he was he was messed up. Seeing that he had already gone through that much and as loyal, loyal as, I, as he had been to me and as loyal as, you know, we'd been to each other, I, I, I chose loyalty over integrity, and I said, no, I'm not going to give him up and you're going to have to do whatever you want to with me. And so they busted me down in rank. Ended up getting an Article 15, competing on investigation. Earned my rank back, and I had to work at it, though. I mean, uh, you know, I was <laughs> two days from pinning E6, and 
got demoted to E4 and had to work through E4 and get all the way back up to E5 just to get my E6. And it just, it took a lot of years to recover from that. They fined me. They did a bunch of things. And it was an extremely hard lesson. But in my gut, I thought I, I did the right thing. It wasn't until later on after I had really fallen off after getting back off that mission. I had some pretty bad experiences and PTSD and depression, anxiety. I had all the signs and symptoms, didn't admit it, and got into alcohol and some other things. And long story short on that, I wound up at a inpatient facility. One of the command sergeant majors that was at that same facility, I told him the story and he was like, man, you know how you should have handled that, right? And I was like, no, I still don't know. I, th- I feel like I did the right thing, but I, I think I got the shaft, you know, kind of. No, he was like, what you should have done is as soon as you saw that, you should have went over to your friend and said, hey, look, man, I can't unsee this. Now that I know, you got to do something about it. If I get asked anything, I'm going to have to tell the truth. And that way you don't violate your friend's loyalty, but you also don't violate your integrity. Man, I wish somebody would have told me that. It would have saved me a lot of heartache, and who knows where I would have been in my military career had I had I known that lesson. But it was very, very valuable. So I have nothing against the, the Army values in any way, shape, or form, but there's absolutely a pecking order when it comes to all of it. Really, I would say that integrity is probably the one that ties to each of the other ones as being the most important. I think as you were telling that story and I was thinking about loyalty, the default when I think of loyalty is the protection of a friend, Mm -hmm. a peer, maybe a family member. But loyalty is so much more than that. Talk to me about what does it look like to be loyal to those that we serve with and those that we oversee as far as looking out for not only their best interest, but the best interest of the team. When we go into that, that's the, if you've seen it, then it can't be unseen. So that goes into, because I'm so loyal to my team, I'm going to address this issue with my team because I want it to be better than what it is. And if there's something that's immoral, if there's something that's against the law, if there's something that's a gray area, then those things should be addressed immediately on the spot. You know, one of the things they teach us in the military is you, you praise in public and you correct in private. But there's a time in the military when we say we have to do on-the-spot corrections. And I think that pours into and leads into, because you're so loyal to your team, you don't want to see them go down the wrong path. You don't want to see your team being led in a direction that's could be questionable in a gray area. So because you're loyal to them, that's how you stick to your integrity of, hey, man, this is this is how we operate. And if you see people operating out of those guidelines or outside of those guidelines, we're going to address this now. You may not have known this, but now we know this. We can't unknow this, and we're going to correct this. That helps with the loyalty of your team because they know that you're looking out for their best interest. You're not just looking out for your own best interest. And this is connected to accountability mm. because – when we care about people and we want the best for them, that is loyalty. Mm. But the accountability piece is also that accountability is not bad. Accountability brings out the best in us yes, and the does. best in our people and the best in being able to accomplish the mission. And when we are not the best and when we allow not the best to happen, then we're not being loyal to our people, Mm -hmm. and we are not bringing accountability. 
Right. And too many times, I think, in our mind, it's that accountability equals bad when that's not the case. We all need accountability. Leaders were accountable to our people. People are accountable to their leaders. Organizations are accountable to the people that we serve. And if we don't have accountability, we struggle in that area of being loyal to each other, to the people we serve, to those that we're responsible for. Absolutely. Which in turn is maintaining integrity. A good friend of mine said one time that the truth is always external and fixed. It's never internal and changing. The truth is the truth no matter how you feel. And the truth was in that situation for myself was whether my internal self was saying, hey, that's not a big deal because it wasn't a big deal to me at that point in time. I didn't care if anybody used steroids. You want to use steroids and get big and bulky and go beat up the enemy? Cool, that's fine with me, right? That'd make you a better soldier. The truth is it's against Army regulations to be using steroids in the United States Army. That's the truth, no matter how, how, I, how I feel about it. Again, the truth is external and fixed, not internal and changing. And when he told me that, that, that really put it into perspective for me of like, I need to make sure that, that we are maintaining what the regulations say. What does our team regulations say? You know, in our Freedom Fighter Foundation, we stick to... Hey, here's what we say we do. This is what we do. We don't we don't go outside of that. You know, law enforcement's the same way, military the same way. And so in that I I I learned a very valuable lesson. It was very costly, right? Which most of the lessons that I learn are usually pretty costly. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can tend to be hard headed from time to time and have to learn it the hard way. But learn from my mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes and it's okay to do that. And in this particular situation, what I would refer to as the the enemy tried to skew or make it seem okay was that all of those leadership acronym values were equal. None of them stood above the rest. And that would seem okay and that we need to stand by those things. But there's times when when we do have to take a, a, a good, long, hard look and say, hey, what's the external truth in this? Not what's my internal truth. So there's a couple of practical applications. When you see unethical, illegal, immoral, behavior, or maybe even something that's unnecessarily unsafe, and you're working within a team, right? We all know that military first responder jobs are are inherently risky, Mm. and so not everything can be safe. But when you see those, it's incumbent upon us to go and address what we've seen. What does it look like as the leader of a team if you have been operating with the stance of allowing stuff that is not okay? Yeah, I would say the first thing you got to do is, is change direction. You got to stop that and address the issue. Don't be passive about it. Go to your team and say, hey, I've seen this. Can't unsee it. We've been operating outside of this. So today, I know we've been, we hadn't been doing it in the past, but today we're going to change that. And then just lay out your clear, very clear guidelines as to how you're going to operate. Let your whole team know. I mean, communication's huge in any of this. But yeah, you've got to, if you see that, it's got to stop immediately. You have to acknowledge that to your team. Absolutely. That you have allowed it, and it is something that you have given approval for. Right. And that's a huge step as a leader. You take your responsibility on that side of it and say, hey, I haven't said anything about this, but I'm saying it now. From that day forward, your team can't say, I didn't know, or I wish somebody would have told me that. They know because you've laid it out clearly. And so that's, I mean, that's huge. And if it's a situation where you were there and you were present, Mm-hmm. And you saw this stuff happening, and you may have participated in it by acknowledging that this is now no longer acceptable behavior. Right. That we're going to move in a different direction. 
and you say that that's going to be effective as of today, it will do several things for your team. One, it will show that you, just like everybody else, can make mistakes. You can come back from those mistakes. Absolutely. The second thing that it will do is it will give confidence to your team because now you have well-defined guidelines of what is acceptable behavior, not playing in the gray, and your team knows that as long as they stay within those boundaries, that you as the supervisor or the leader have their back Absolutely. and that you will support them and you will fight for them. And there is not a question of, is this person going to hang me out to dry if the right question gets asked by the wrong person? Man, that's so good. Yes, absolutely. Which ties right back into loyalty. Your team knows that you will be loyal to them because you have integrity. And your whole team will be loyal to each other while maintaining their integrity. What's really amazing, too, is when we get into this, it actually goes into the family dynamic and not just your team dynamic, not just your business dynamic, but also really it flows over into your family dynamic, being a parent. We don't want our children to not have integrity. Tell us what you know. maybe we want to hear versus what is really going on. A lot of times, and I've used this several times too, is we don't, we're not looking for behavioral change. We're looking for a heart change. And I see in my own children, just to get me from harping on them, they will stop doing whatever it is I'm, I say hey stop doing this they'll stop doing it but it's not because they truly have a change of heart it's just that they're going to stop doing it because they they fear they're going to get in trouble in that as it flows over into our family dynamics really teaching our kids what it is to have integrity I know for my children and I we sit down at the table and we have what we call check-in we get I give them an opportunity to go around they don't get in trouble they can say anything they want I mean I can't bust out cussing me out or something you know <laughs> they might get in some trouble for that but they can sit around the table they get to tell how their day was and if something was really bothering them maybe it was a brother that you know came in the room and was hitting on them or stole a toy or whatever it is and nobody else can say anything in that that integrity piece of being authentic and honest and truly telling how like where they're at I can tell as a parent where I need to kind of come alongside them my daughter, for instance, Grayson, she's 13 now. And when I got back into their life, I didn't see them for about two and a half years. And in this, she's sitting across from me and we're running through a check-in. And, you know, we have goal setting and then highlights of the day. And then we check, like, hey, how's your heart? How is it with your soul? And they'll really truly tell you how they feel. And when a child feels comfortable enough to sit across from you and say, Daddy, when you were gone, it really hurt me. And... Now, I can't crosstalk. I can't say anything. She just gets to go through that. She said, Dad, when you were gone, kids used to make fun of me and say, at least I have a dad. And what I realized in that was it didn't matter what I had gone through. It didn't matter all of the PTSD, all the war, all the traumas. It didn't matter. What mattered in that moment was the fact that that little girl had been hurt, and it was my job to come alongside her, and I wasn't there. Instead of guilt and shame that would normally try to be caked on top of that, is I let her process through that and cry and go through it. And a little later, she came up to me and she was like, thank you, Daddy, for being here now. And I was like, Grayson, look, I can't go back and fix what I've done. I can't go back and change the past. I can't go back and do any of those things. But what I can promise you is now that it's been seen and now that it's been known and now that it's been brought out into the light, for me to know what I can promise you is this. I'm going to be the best dad from this day forward that I can be. I'm going to be present physically, emotionally, spiritually available for you. 
right? And so in all of that, what that showed my daughter is that I'm going to be loyal to her. But it also instilled integrity in her of like, I can actually tell my dad the truth of how I'm truly feeling and what's going on in my life without any fear of him getting on to me or trying to correct me. But he's going to remain loyal to me because he loves me. Again, just another lesson of integrity and loyalty and leadership being instilled into children as a parent, you know, as a father. Those kind of things are so important to know is, man, my, my kids trust me. And they trust me because I have their best interests at heart. Now, don't get it twisted. I lay down the law. <laughs> like there, there are rules inside of my house. And for me and my house, we serve the Lord. One of the things that just got brought up to me is in, in our mission statement, we Freedom Fighter Foundation is to restore integrity to the family unit and in turn strengthen community by creating an impactful generational legacy that will affect not only generations but nations. In that vision statement in there, it talks about restoring integrity. It's not that if you have not had integrity, you can't have it now. It can be corrected. In those things for me, and again, this is for me in my house, we serve the Lord. And, and one of those things I, I depend on him heavily, I'll uh, bring up. And that's uh, a verse that, that really stuck out to me when I was looking at this and comes out of Psalms, verse 25, 21. And in it, King David is one of those guys, man. And if you don't know King David, man, he that that guy, they call him a man after God's own heart, man. He was a warrior. Like, I relate to this dude so much because he's just like, he is a warrior. He's killed tens of thousands. Like, and, and then, you know, you, you hear that he's a man after God's own heart. And yet with him, you know, he, he wasn't where he was supposed to be and slept with his best friend's wife and got her pregnant. In order to cover it up, he sent his best friend to the front lines to be killed. And it's like, wait a minute, if God can use that guy and forgive that guy, man, he could surely... Surely he could use me and maybe change me too. I relate to him. And so when he's reading, you know, and in the Psalms, he pours out his heart to God and he's talking to God. And, he, and in that verse, it says, may integrity and honesty protect me for I put my hope in you. And he's talking about God. As I've put my hope and loyalty to him, it's changed and transformed and changed my life. And, and in turn, I see the generational legacy that's taking place inside of my family, inside of our community. I see it in so many veterans and first responders' lives, families' lives. I can't speak enough on it, but it's, it's something that I'll live the rest of my life with. Continuing to do is put my hope in him and maintaining that integrity and honesty, and it will protect me. I can tell you not only modeling that for your kids, but also several years ago as my son was trying to determine what path he was going to take after high school, you modeled that for him and mentored him when he was deciding on his next steps, which mm. eventually included going into the military and selecting that branch and the job that he was going to do. And being somebody who modeled integrity and loyalty and what it means to care for one another, Mandy and I were so appreciative of that time that you spent with him to get him in the right place before he left mm. so that he would be able to do that for others. So yeah. thank you for doing that. Man, absolutely. It was uh, it was truly my pleasure and honor to do that. And I love I love where he's at, even to this day. God's using him in a mighty way and in, in serving our country and protecting us and he is a uh, outstanding young man. Yeah. Well if you would like to reach out to Michael at the Freedom Fighter Foundation, then the website is freedomfighterfoundation.org. There are buttons to contact him. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your heart, for sharing the word, and for helping us learn a lesson on loyalty and integrity. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening, and this is Serve as a Verb. Serve as a Verb is recorded and produced in Central Texas. Music for the episode is created by Christian Leo. Artwork created by Noah Chancellor. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram with Serve as a Verb. Or you can reach us by email at serveisaverb at gmail.com.